Today, I have a simple message, but I have to teach you first, and then from there, I believe, will inspire you. So if you could put on your thinking caps at the very beginning, and then at the end of the message, I will seek to inspire you. Uh, But today's title of the message is Don't Worry. Don't Worry. Don't Worry. Uh, I'm going to read one passage of scripture uh, to you today from the NIV. I'm going to read to you uh, Matthew 6 and 25. And then I will then quote Matthew 6 and 33, which you're already familiar with. Matthew 6 and 25 from the NIV says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Then in Matthew 6 and 33, it tells us, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I truly believe in a message and I am infatuated with the particular message. Uh, This message has changed my life. It has changed the way that I actually see scripture and interact in my relationship with God. I don't know about you all, but I got saved at 15 years old, and I have been walking with the Lord ever since then. I've had my ups and downs. You know, I got my skeletons in the closet as you, right? (laughs) But the reality of the matter is I have been been walking with the Lord for a significant part of my life. And there was a season and a time in my life where I came to awareness of that what I was doing was out of ritual and routine, which is what I call religion. Right. So I was doing God of ritual and routine and I had not connected to the realities of the message that I see Jesus preached. I believe that many of us have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we have not invested ourselves in the gospel that Jesus actually preached. Hear me again. Many of us have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we have not investigated sought to understand the message that Jesus preached. And Jesus, this message that Jesus has preached has, it has caused so much infatuation to me because I can actually now see my faith being practical. I don't see it as mystical, spooky. I don't see spirituality as something that you can't obtain or grow in or mature in. I actually now have a greater understanding of how to make my spirituality practical. I can now apply it. You're right, right? So if you have a headache, you know what to take for a headache. I now know what to take for something called worry. I know what to take uh, for something called worry, and I want to teach that to you today. It is going to be extremely helpful for you. It's going to be something that you can actually use. Right. So this is why I need your thinking cap on from the beginning. And then at the end, I think we want to mix it up. I call it like sometimes, you know, you want to eat something healthy. Anybody eat healthy? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right. So, um, (laughs) you know, well, if you were, you know, like it took a while to get over to, to eating healthy. All right. Let's start there. It took a minute to get there. You know, all of this kale and stuff like that that y'all celebrate now and, you know, seaweed chips and, you know, you know, all that stuff we call it healthy. Bro, it wasn't nothing like just getting a good old thing of McDonald's French fries. Yes, Lord. Good old. I mean, you need food to eat, right? But what I found was sometimes it takes this journey to transition. I have found that that is the journey that a lot of people actually need to make from religion to understanding the kingdom of God. It's a journey. 
It's a step. It's almost kind of like I got to give you a carrot and a french fry. Today, I'm giving you the carrot first and then the french fry afterwards, all right, so that you can understand how this practically works together in your life. So this message of the kingdom of God consumes me. It is, it is something that I seek to understand. It is something that I study daily. It is something that practically impacts me. And I have finally found what I will call answers that I know now how to interact with God. I even know how to interact with my prayers. I know how to ensure my prayers are able to come to pass. I know how to handle my anxieties, my worries, and my fears. Now they are still there. The Bible says that his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. It did not say that they, it wasn't a yoke and it did not say that it wouldn't be a burden. But he said they are easy and they are light. Spirituality requires responsibility. But I have found that religion makes it hard and heavy. Y'all hear me. It makes it hard and heavy. But what he says is that his yoke, his way of thinking, understanding what he's called us to carry is easy and light. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, and the government will be on his shoulders. I hate that we have made this a Christmas scripture where we celebrate the baby Jesus. I tell y'all what, if I'm maturing, y'all keep on celebrating the baby me. I'm going to have a problem with you. All right. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm mature. He's the ancient of days. Oh, all right. All right. So he says, <laughs> don't start with me today. My ADD is on a thousand. Um, he, he, he says, and the government will be on his shoulders and you shall call his name. Wonderful, mighty God, everlasting father and the Prince of peace. We have focused on that part, but we didn't realize that he came carrying something. Bible says it was a government. Everybody say government. So this, this system was on his shoulders that he took responsibility for and he carried it. And I believe this message, if we inspect, if we investigate what it was he was carrying, like I said, if I told you that somebody had diabetes, you know what to prescribe them. I'm saying I think that we can watch by what Jesus preached and what he carried, what the issue was. And what the solution is. All right. I will say this. That the term church was only used a couple of times in the New Testament scripture. Hmm. It was only used a couple of times in the New Testament scripture. But this term kingdom, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven was used hundreds of times. Every parable, every parable described this kingdom. The kingdom of God is like unto. You know that Jesus told the story of the prodigal son so good. Y'all believe the prodigal son was a real person. (laughs) And this was a story about a son taking his place, his rightful place back at home. Us taking our rightful place and our position back in the kingdom of God. So I'm infatuated with this message. And what I have found that there are some principles uh, attached to this message that can truly help us deal with worry. All right. So in our text, it said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. I have found that many people in faith are praying around these four things, their life, the future of their life, 
They're praying for what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink. They're praying for their body. They're praying for food. They're praying for the necessary things they need to survive in life. Most believers are worried that they won't have a roof over their head, that they won't have the provision they need to live the life they live, that if anything that, that impacts their basic needs and basic necessities in life, we're warring against because we know we need those to be who we need to be. And the Bible tells us not to pray for these things. Huh. The Bible tells us not to pray about these things. As you keep reading in Matthew 6, 29, 30, 31, he says, man, do the lilies of the field worried about what they're going to wear? Do the birds in the air worry about what they're going to eat? The bird is just existing. The bird is being the bird using its capacity and abilities and understanding of its awareness as it is being what it was created to be. Everything it needs for it to survive to be what it is created to be is added into their life. This is the first principle I want to give every believer that's in the room today. If you understand who you are, Heaven has a responsibility to provide for you everything you need to be who it created you to be. This, this is the first principle of not dealing with worry. If you can discover, if you take your life through a time of discovery, self-awareness, to understand your abilities, your uniqueness, your quirkiness, your quirkiness, your strengths, and your weakness, you have this ability of self-awareness. Heaven goes, now that's a person I can't provide for. But if you find yourself living beneath who you're created to be, you will not receive the corresponding provision you need to live life the way you're supposed to live. See, it's simple, ain't it? So this is why I tell people, don't pray for things. Ask God to reveal to you who you are. Because when you know who you are, then God knows how he can provide and bless you with the stuff that you need. Man, it is something powerful because I, I, you, uh, um, I was talking in the first service about this, uh, that this journey that the children of Israel was on was supposed to be a very short journey. But they found themselves walking, wilderness walking, because they would not change the way they actually thought. They had been so wired by oppression. They had been so wired by the cares of this life and the cares of this world that they found themselves, what was supposed to be very short for them, a very short journey, they found themselves literally stay, overstaying their welcome at a bad place. It's something. Because God was using the journey to show them who they are. Can I tell you God's using your journey to reveal to you you? Yep. So he's using your journey to reveal to you, you. So he says, man, don't even pray about those things. And then this is the part that just messed me up. This messed me up. Uh, he said, don't pray for these things. He says, because the pagans pray for these things. Okay. So he said, don't pray about it. Here's why you don't need to pray about it. Because number one, the pagans do. When you look up this term pagan. This term pagan here is not an atheist. Think about how many times we've read over this scripture and we just thought, well, it says don't seek after those things because that's what the pagans actually seek after. You know, I grew up in the, you know, in the time where, you know, the world seek after that stuff. You know, you just focus on God. 
You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and then the world seek after that stuff. But the reality is that term pagan here is a person that worships. A pagan is a person that worships false idols. So he says that pagans pray for their needs. But he says, if you understand that you are not a pagan, that you are not in any ritual or routine. If you understand that you are not a pagan and you have the right priorities, everything you need will be added to you. This is what I have found. Many people come to church and they're pagans. Because you can locate where their faith is based on what they pray for. Uh-huh. Have you assessed your prayer lately? You can tell if a person really worships false idols because you can hear it and locate it in their speech. He says, so if you're praying for your body, if you're paying for, praying for what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink, he says, the pagans do that. He says, you don't even have to do that because you're greater than that. Who is man that he's mindful of us? Psalm 8, I want y'all to write this down. I want y'all to read this. I'm getting excited. Y'all might have a little bit of black church today. All right, I just, I'll just try to tell you. All right, so Psalm 8 says, who is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you have visited him, that you've made him a little lower than Elohim. That you have no awareness of who you are. God's great love for you that when God put you in the earth, he was not scratching his head. God was not confused. He didn't go, oops, I didn't mean to put them in the earth right now. That meant God knew exactly where the space in the world would be and the world needed a you now. Everybody say now. So your life is an assignment. So if you are worried about your basic necessities and not operating in your life's assignment, you will find yourself just like the children of Israel, wilderness walking with your life. Watching other people do what God has called them to do. Walk into their awareness. You know, walk with confidence and their head up with no guilt and shame because they, the light bulb has come on about who they are. And you'll find many people that are hearing this same word that will not change because they think that spirituality is supposed to be some external force that forces them into their next place. Ooh, right? Right, it's supposed to be God, right? It's supposed to be a miracle. Everybody wants a miracle when the reality is this, that your miracle is going to be found in your participation. Yeah, buddy. Y'all with me so far? So he says, don't worry about these things because the pagans pray about this stuff. I'm musing over this because when I look at the children of Israel, God provided for them in the wilderness. Now, this is, this is unique. Anybody, you know, this is Sunday School 101. In the wilderness, their shoes did not wear out. Right? Right? We, we've heard it. We preach it all the time. In the, in the wilderness. Okay, you got to understand, this ain't paved roads. In the wilderness, they didn't have J's with reinforced plastic like I got on, right? Please hear me. In the wilderness, their shoes did not wear out. 
this is, this is. Okay, we have roads that are designed for our tires and we still wear them out. I blew, man, can I, can I confess just what's, I was so mad. I bought a brand new set of tires eight days ago. Then I was driving on one of our St. Louis streets <laughs> seven days ago and blew a tire. I'm so mad about it. I'm still salty about it. <laughs> the roads are designed for my tires and I blew them. Their street, their, their, their shoes were in a tough place and did not wear out. So, okay, I just want, I just want you to draw this, this mental parallel. Their shoes did not wear out. Their, clo their clothes did not wear out. The Bible says their clothes did not wear out. They were led by God's GPS system. Fire and a cloud. Fire at night, cloud during the day. How much more leadership could you get? <laughs> so God is leading them with his own GPS system. Fire and the cloud. They were fed manna from heaven every single day. The definition of manna is what is it? So that means it did not taste the same every day. So God is a bit of a buffet strategist. I like it. This man, you, if you're not a foodie, we can't be friends because God's a foodie. You know what I'm saying? I might need to do a series on that. Like, what is it? Like, he knows how to give you daily bread. Manna, what is it? Straight from heaven. Okay. Still ain't got you. They got water out of a rock. Okay, you know, they selling us tap water that they putting in bottles. <laughs> Call it a spring water. <laughs> that Starbucks kicked in now, Amy, look. Out of a rock. How do you get water out of a rock and still complain? Water out of a rock. Fresh water out of a rock. And still found themselves stuck. I, I had to say a very hard truth. But don't get stuck in life at a place of provision. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hear me out. Do not rely and relate to God based on his ability to provide for you. Because God will even provide for you even if you're being disobedient. Oh, so that don't even mean God's blessing you because you got a nice house, a nice car, nice job. That don't even mean God's blessing you. That just means because you're his child, I will never see the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. That's just how good he is. So he's good enough to provide for you. But the reality is there is risk in your promise, though. Mm hmm. See, you got to manage in the promised land. They said, man, these, these grapes are huge. What are we going to do with this stuff over here? See, I think more people are scared of their promise than they really believe they are. Because in your promised land will require your management. Oh, yeah. See, in your promise, land, see, I think that many people are just stuck at the place of provision and they like it there. That's comfortable. But to really experience God in his greatness will require your faith.
So literally God provides for them. But then here's the principle that I want to extract from this. He tells them when you get the manna, only take a certain amount. Only take a certain amount into your tent. If you take too much into your tent, we, it'll spoil because it will show that you took way too much. It'll spoil. The principle in dealing with worry is this. If you can thank God for what he has provided for you today, you will not worry about tomorrow. See, I'm trying to teach y'all something. The reason why many of us are worried is because we are asking God about Friday when we have not thanked him for the fact we have everything we need today. Yep. You are worried because you are concerned about Friday. And God is saying, I'm God enough to provide for whatever you need on Friday. But you won't allow me to be God enough if you don't praise me for what I have done today. The way, one of the ways to destroy worry is to live by the daily bread principle. Please write this. Please, I'm trying to help you. When you live by the daily bread principle that today when you go to bed, you're going to be like, guess what? I'm going to bed with a roof over my head. You know what? Today I was able to eat. Today I have clothes that I need. I have the car that none of us are going to leave here today without anything to eat. Right? This, is, this is how crazy this is. So in my personal opinion, I think many of us are putting extra stress on ourselves because we're concerned with what is going on at the end of the week instead of realizing that God is taking care of us today. Is there anybody, let's just have a quick testimony service. How many of you all have seen God do the most impossible things in your life? You were worried about it and God just completely shifted and showed up in your life. Can I tell you, you can experience God's miracle working hand by looking and inspecting every single day. Ooh, boy. Man, he provides for us every day. He takes care of us. He keeps the roof over our head every single day. I am so thankful. I am so thankful for how God has kept us. Anybody thankful? Yep, so he provides for them. He provides for them every single day. And they complain. I have found that the reason why many people worry is because it is connected to the way they use their mouth. It, it, it is connected to the way they actually use their mouth. And they don't realize that these seeds are creating anxiety. Creating oppression and depression. Complaining. You know, I've heard it once said, if you complain, you remain. Yeah, I've never seen anybody actually move beyond. Anybody that has not made a choice not to complain, I've always seen complainers stuck at the place they hate. I mean, let's just be cerebral for a second. Do y'all, y'all ain't complainers in a room, but somebody you know is. (laughs) Assess any complainer you know. Has anything changed in their life? Because complainers remain. Complainers remain. So I, I, I see this. I see this because it's like, okay, provision is daily. So don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. Matthew 6. 
So he says, don't worry about tomorrow because it will take care of itself. It has its own cares. So if you look at today, you realize that he has and is providing for you. His provision is there for you. But I think it is found in your seeking. I found that when you have the right priorities, then that's where corresponding provision comes from. Priorities determine provision. Hear me, friends. Priorities determine provision. Right focus. Right, right focus. The ability to look at the right thing, to see, to perceive, to look after, to seek to understand, to know, allows God to perform provision in your life. The reason why I am infatuated with this message concerning the kingdom of God is because I think it is the answer to man's problems. Uh, The Bible says to pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, respected be thy name. Thy kingdom what? I want you to say it again. Thy kingdom what? So why are you so trying to get to heaven? Okay, I'll wait. It says, (laughs) thy kingdom, thy will be done. On earth. I just want to make sure I'm not, because y'all, I, I want to make sure we're reading the same scripture. Because <laughs> sometimes I found, I was like, I, I got to be, I got to be missing it. It says, all right, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, respected be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. So it's already done in heaven. Our responsibility is to bring what God has already done in the heavens to the earth. So when God puts you in the earth, he was finished. This is what is, this is interesting. See, you're worried when God's already finished. Are you worried about something that's already finished? You're only worried about something that you think is in process. But what God did was he's so masterful. This is why you can't tell me. I'm, Dustin, I told you I was going to not walk today, but you making me do it. He keeps moving the camera. So if he would quit moving the camera, then I would stop moving. It's his fault. So what God does is this. God completes you. So in the beginning, he knew you. He formed you. Before I put you in your mother's belly, I knew you. That word new means to be intimately acquainted with you. If he is the author and the finisher of your faith, that means he wrote the story and he's not confused about what's going on in chapter 21 of your life. Because he's the author and the finisher. So what God does is he finishes you, then he puts you in time. To complete what he's already done. This is why I'm telling you, your life has a complete purpose. The reason why you don't have to worry is because your life is God's yes. You are God's completed, finished work. Now your responsibility is to grow into the measure, the stature, the fullness of the person he created you to be. 
Your only responsibility is to seek what he told you to seek. Everything else he says I'll take care of. Y'all see how this works? That's why I told you I'm fascinated with this message because religion will make you work on your behaviors and your behaviors only. And then what will happen is you'll finally get to a point where you might think you are. I don't know about y'all, but I still ain't got there yet. I've been serving the Lord for a long time and I still wake up like, Lord, Jesus, let's, let's try it again today. All right. But, <laughs> but it'll make you work on being heaven ready when you're already finished in heaven's eyes. Hear me. So in heaven's eyes, you're finished. Now you have to grow into, mature, manifest what he's put you in the earth to do. This is why you should not worry. Your life is a divine plant. Yes, Lord. When you understand who you are, your abilities, your uniqueness, your talents, your quirkiness, and you accept it. When you walk into the confidence of knowing who you are, when it is unchanged by people's circumstances and people's opinions towards you, and you wake up every single day with this knowing that I got something to do with my life. I can't worry about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to drive, where I'm going to live. Let him take care of that. Let me do So I'm in a place in my life now of just unrestrained trust. God, you're going to have to fix it. Whatever I can't do, you got to fix that. Because I'm trusting with my life. Y'all getting something so far? Boy, this hang time getting on my nerves. All right, so. So I want to give y'all this, and I got to this point, man, I never have enough time for this. We, I think we're supposed to have a third service today. <laughs> like, no, we're not. <laughs> All right. So I, I realized that the kingdom of God is a voice-activated kingdom. I want you to write this down. It is a voice-activated kingdom. Each word that you speak is a seed that will produce fruit in your life the more that you water it. Each word is a seed in your life that will produce fruit the more you water it. This is how the kingdom of God works. This is why the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. So it does not say speak what your current circumstances, speak what it is supposed to be. Uh, so each word is a seed that will produce fruit the more you water it. So this is the thing that I want y'all to just kind of write down in these last five minutes. I want you to write this down, and I do want you to study it this week. I'm, I'm literally here just to whet your appetite. Um, I want you to study it this week. In Genesis, there's a couple of scriptures I need you to just read. All right, so Genesis chapter number one. I'm going to call them off really fast. I want you to read this week. Verse 3, 6, 9, 11. 14, 20, and 24. Again, I want you to read Genesis 1, verse number 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, and 24. This is why this is important and why I need y'all to read this. So in verse 11, God wanted trees. He speaks to the vegetation. All right, so when God wanted trees, he speaks to the vegetation. This will blow your Mine. Verse 14, when God wanted son, he spoke to the gases, spoke to the firmament. He said, I want a son, speaks to the firmament, creates the son. 
He wants fish. What he does is he speaks to the water. <laughs> so he said, I want fish. He speaks. He aims his speech at the place that he wants it to come from. He wants fish. He speaks to the water. Verse 24, he wants creatures. He speaks to the earth. So this is what he does. When God wants something, he speaks to the source that he wants it to be made of. And then that thing has to stay connected to the source to live. Right? So if I take fish out of the water, the fish does not live. A fish is unsuccessful at climbing trees. I don't care if it can climb trees. That's unsuccessful because it was not designed to climb trees. Right? So if you take fish out of the water, fish dies. You take the star out of the firmament, the star dies. We call them falling stars. Right? So this is what God did when he made man. In verse 26, when God wanted man, he spoke to himself. That's why I told you I want you to study it. This, this wears me out <laughs> every time. This wears me out every time. So everything that God wanted, he speaks to the source of it because he wants it to remain attached to the source of it because that's where it gets his life. So he wanted fish. He spoke to the water. He wanted trees. He spoke to the ground. He wanted, he wanted birds. He, he, he spoke. He wanted stars. He spoke to the firmament. He wanted man. He speaks to himself. You take the fish out of the water, the fish dies. You take the tree out of the ground, the tree dies. You take God out of the man. The man dies. What I have found is this. Satan's ultimate goal is to get you detached from your creator. If I can detach you, I can kill you. I find this so fascinating because if you know where you came from, then you know where you're going back to. You are worried, and God is saying, why are you worried? Because when I wanted you, I spoke to you. This is why the Bible says, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When you come to the awareness that you are spiritual, and you don't have to worry about natural things, everything you need naturally will be provided to you. Every hand lifted, every eye closed. Father, you are masterful. You are masterful. You, you, you blow my mind. When I try to find words to describe you, my words fail me. But hear my heart. I love you with everything that's within me. It's in you I live and breathe and have my being. I could only imagine what my life would be like without you. But I'm so glad I chose you. Thank you for choosing me and not letting me go. There is somebody in this room, you've been struggling with worry. And you've been detached from your relationship with God. Maybe the pandemic has been just an excuse for you. Um, the reality is you were disconnected well before that happened.
They just gave you an opportunity to physically show where you were in your spiritual reality. My prayer is that you reconnect to your master. Man. My prayer is that you realize that in staying connected to him is where your life will come from. If you continue to grow in godliness and grace, God will take care of your natural life. Many of us need to not only be saved to life. See, this is why altar calls are different to me. Because many of us get discouraged because we're not seeing the masses of people saying they want to be saved anymore. And I want to give you another hard truth. I think many of us that sit in church need to respond to the altar call. I think a lot of us need to be saved from churchianity. I think many of us believe in church more than we do our Christ. So oftentimes we're waiting for somebody that don't know Jesus to raise their hand, but there's many of us that know Jesus that aren't doing what he's called us to do with our lives. And we should be the ones responding. Every altar call should be hands lifted because we've not accepted what he's called us to do with our lives. And we call it humility. <laughs> all right, I don't want to think too much, too highly of myself. The Bible didn't say not to think of yourself at all. It said don't think too highly of yourself. Something. But I'm telling you, I think a lot of us need to be delivered, redeemed, set free, repent, change the way we think, and turn back to God. And not only just believe in the message of Christ, but the message that Christ preached. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. So every hand lifted. Father, where we have not accepted your message, uh, where, we've where we've accepted the pseudo message, but not the real one, give us revelation clarity about the real message that we can walk in the power that you have created us to walk in. That we are your sons and your daughters. <laughs> so we take our rightful place, not just church members. We're sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. And you promised to take care of your sons and daughters. That if we would seek your kingdom, you would take care of us. So repeat after me, Lord Jesus, we're sorry for our lack of focus and wrong priorities. But today, we turn our attention toward the kingdom of God. We seek it. We want to know it. We want to live in it. And we want to show it to the world. Use us in this next move of God to be what eyes haven't seen. <laughs> yes, and to be what ears haven't heard. Use our lives to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen.